That was English singer-songwriter Gabrielle with her 1993 song, I Wish, which happened to have been a number four hit in the UK on the dance charts and charted in different countries worldwide. Hi, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, the host of The Original Doll. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go behind the scenes and at the same time we help charity. So for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. We've been able to help out women and children in domestic abuse shelters, homeless LGBT plus teens, and so many more. For more information, follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. Big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for doing what you do. You're keeping this the show free and open for all. Well, we're going to get right to this because that song happened to have been produced by today's guest, Johnny Douglas. And we're going to have multiple episodes with Johnny coming up over the next week and a half. So be sure to subscribe on your preferred streamer. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio ripping, recording, stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So be sure if you do in fact see any of these snippets leaked, please report them to the webmaster. But we're going to get right to this as I talk to one of the most hysterical guys that I've actually talked to in a long time, Johnny Douglas. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. All right, everyone, I would like to welcome you back to The Original Dial with James Rodriguez, where we unpackage music with the people who created it. Today's guest is somebody who's touched upon global artists and global fans. And so I want to thank you. And so, Johnny, do you prefer Johnny John, you know, the prince of production? What, what do you prefer? Oh, definitely the prince of production. The I mean, prince uh, of uh, production. Uh, 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 Johnny's fine. Johnny's All right, fine. we have Johnny Douglas and I mean we're going to go through everything because you've worked for with Kylie to George Michael to All Saints Gabrielle there's a ton of people and that's just me talking about some of them so thank you so much for being here because every question you answer we get items donated to charity so thank you for being here and spending time with us hit me with as many questions as possible I love it (laughs) I love it well now let's rewind back when did music become a part of who you are like, how young was it when music really hit you? Before you even knew what production was or songwriting, when was um, that moment? There was, there was, there was kind of quite a few, rather than rather than one specific one. I'd say, I'd say the first time was because I come from the north of England, so um, uh, yeah, where we have a slightly different accent to. Hello, you know, how, how a lot of Americans would imagine. Um, and we used to have these things that was very um, specific to my area that we called 10 foots. And they were called 10 foots because they were 10 feet wide. And it's when you get like a row of houses and the houses that backed onto it, there was like a, like a long alleyway where people would park their cars and it was garages in it. And I think I was about, seven or eight and I heard some guy playing guitar like in his garage kind of like cranked out and after about a few days I kind of <clears throat> I kind of got the 
I kind of got the balls to kind of like knock on his garage door and he kind of let me in and I kind of, he let me put this guitar around my neck and I just kind of like, I just kind of like hit a note and it was like, whoa, like feeling the power of it. So I think that was the first time. The second time was when a friend of mine who was a very, who came from a very musical family, um, as in like they didn't watch TV. They all used to just like play classical instruments. It was kind of one of those kinds of families. And he made a guitar and kind of plugged it into his stereo. So again, that was like the second time where I went, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then I'd say like the, the key pivotal thing was seeing, um, I saw George Benson live, not live, it was on TV. Uh, but they used to have these things called um, live at the London Palladium. And it was like a televised thing and there'd be someone from royalty would be sitting in the box. And uh, George Benson was on there and I kind of, I watched that. And then my mom was like, right, you got to go to bed. I was like, school the next day. And I was about, I was 10 at this point. And I went to kind of brush my teeth. And that's when I just kind of went, this, this is what I want to do. I didn't think I was going to, I didn't know anything about production or songwriting. I used, I had like a, like a book that I used to write song titles in. And I had hundreds of song titles, but they were songs. Um, I wasn't playing. I was miming the tennis racket. And I was superb at miming with the tennis racket. <laughs> um, I was really good at it to a point where when I got my first guitar, I found it a bit hard. So I went back to the tennis racket. Um, so I think that was a that was a pivotal thing where I kind of said, you know doing music is is what i want to do and of course everybody tells you you're crazy you know it's never going to happen especially kind of where i come from because it's kind of like like i don't know how much you know about the uk but it's it's kind of a little bit in reverse so like your deep south is kind of like our north mm -hmm. so it's like i've come from like i don't know kentucky or something you know what i mean and i want to like you know, I want to kind of get, I want to kind of get to LA and be like, I actually wanted to be George Michael. That was the weird thing. He was like my, he was kind of like my role model. I think I remember, I remember seeing like the Careless Whisper video and I'm like, he's got Chichini shorts. He's on a yacht. He's got two chicks battling after him. <laughs> he's got the big lady die pen, which I also had. But this guy's got it made. Um, so, yeah, that was, I'd say, yeah, 10. But there was those three moments. I can remember them. I can remember them like they were yesterday. You know, it's like they were, they were just key pivotal moments in my life. And there was, there was no going back after that moment. That was it. That was oh, it. That, that was so just. Um, so then when did you, when did it turn in your mind to know? okay, it could go from the hobby that people say music is to I can make some money on that. Because there's always that where everyone can create, you can create what's, but then there's a distinct shift when you're like, oh, wait, now I could make some money. I, of course, some, at, you know, yeah. starting out and things like that. When did that occur? It was kind of strange because I think the first, 
the first record I ever made where I ever kind of got paid for it, um, I kind of felt a little bit embarrassed that I was getting paid for it because I couldn't quite understand how I could do something that I loved so much and someone could give me money for it because I was always, you know, brought up as in most people have to experience you you have to do something that you pretty much hate every day and somebody gives you a wage for it so when i first got paid which wasn't a lot of money but still it was kind of i do this i do this shit for free you know and i and i still would you know um don't get me wrong i got used to it quite quickly <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't a problem you know after a while it certainly wasn't a problem but um yeah, so that was that was the very first record that kind of like I ever made, but it was never, it was never kind of like money, money and fame and things like that were never. It was it was it was never something that you thought about. I think it's quite different with with kids now, because we're so exposed to how rich people can be, how rich our celebrities can be. You know, when I was a kid. You know, we didn't have, you know, that level of paparazzi and that level of, it was almost, there was a lot of mystique around it. So the most you would see in like a Sunday newspaper, you might see like a helicopter aerial photograph of, you know, the top of Elton John's house. You know, mm -hmm. these are the days before, you know, MCV Cribs was opening the doors and going, hey, come on in, look what I've got. You know what I mean? It was like, mm -hmm. so you, you just kind of presumed that kind of famous singers and people obviously made a lot of money, but it was, it was never broadcast. It was never kind of like put out there. So I never, and I had always said the same to anybody that was starting out doing music. It's like, never think about, the money never do it for money and it was it was never ever like like a defining role in the whole process even being famous I, it was never something that i kind of wanted i just wanted to create i just wanted to build i just wanted to write songs and i was just kind of obsessed with sounds and you know unfortunately i wasn't I was an okay singer, but I wasn't an incredible singer. So being an artist kind of died out quite quickly, the idea of it. But um, yeah, it was never like a driving force. And I don't think it ever should be. Um, I think there's a lot of kids that, mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can make music so much easier these days. And the tools are laid out for us to, to make music very easy. Whereas back in the day, it was... It was actually really fucking hard. It was kind of mm -hmm. like that. when you've got when you've got tape machines and all these things. You know, it took a real level of skill that you needed quite a few people to do. Whereas now, you know, somebody can sit down with a laptop and download some free programs and make something in like ten minutes and go, "Yeah, I've got a banger," and has every chance of it going on and being a success. Um, so it was. It was always just the kind of the the kind of hunger to learn the whole process and i still am i'm still learning stuff every day i'm still wanting to to improve and kind of get better so that was a really long draw <laughs> 
drawn out answer to that to that question but, but yeah but what's cool is that you what you talked about is the fact that the music industry changed so drastically because now like even somebody like let's say cardi b talked about the, it costs so much money to prove to you guys that i have so much money you know that it's all about that that appearance side whereas before and this is I've been deep diving through radio archives, old radio magazines, monitor magazines, things like that, like from the 80s, 90s. And it was interesting how there was that sense of mystique. You didn't yeah. know where that person was every day. Now you can find where some of them are every hour. Somebody's taking a photo of them. And yeah. one thing that always stuck with me, though, was there was a George Michael quote where he said something to the effect of like, you know, there's no reluctant superstar. Like you choose you choose to have that that face out there. And yeah. he goes, but before you had the mystique of not knowing, wait, is this real or is it not? Now you can tell if something is legitimate looking or not, but we're being pushed with so much music. And some of the projects that we're going to talk about that you're on, there were many times, and I talked about this when I talked about uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis with Janet, is at the time the label was like, don't mess up this release of this song. We'll hold back this other song for right now until this goes and picks up. Now it's, if it doesn't get the numbers in 24 hours, move on to the next project, move on to the next artist. Yeah. Where yeah. you didn't have that organic growth. Now we just inhale all this stuff so quickly. All right, so let's let's go yeah. back to 1993 because one of the first ever cassette seven inches, things like that that I remember getting from artists was from Gabrielle. You know, when when dreams came out, I was like, who is this? This sounds so weird. And I didn't know anything else about Gabrielle. I knew the eye patch. Then when the album came out, I was like, I love this song. And I loved, I wish. Mm. And I played that 70 or 75, the seven inch, the 45 so much. When I brought it to, I actually lived in London for a bit for school. And when I went there, my record had cracked because me not knowing it, I just put a bunch of records on top of each other, threw it in my bag. I thought it was going to make the, you know, the trip for people who don't know. That's not the way it works. That's not, that's I, not the way it works. <laughs> you came with my record. James. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's go back to that. So Gabrielle, how did you get involved in that project? And that is from, from Tony in England. How did you come up or how did you, how were you able to work with Gabrielle? Was dreams out before you began working on the album? Um, It was, it was a very quick process. I was, um, I was actually homeless, sleeping on a park bench in uh, in North London. I kind of moved down and went through this whole thing of like, you know, we had really gangsters putting guns in my mouth and tying me to chairs and being made homeless and this whole thing that sounds like a film. And I somehow managed to get a publishing deal and get off my park bench. And very quickly from having the publishing deal, um, they orchestrated the Gabrielle situation. Um, Dreams wasn't out, but see, Dreams was originally written over a Tracy Chapman sample. So Mm -hmm. that was kicking about. So we'd heard that. Um, and that was always going to be the first single, no matter what. And then it, that got kind of put on hold whilst me and Gabrielle were writing, while they kind of recreated it and kind of took the sample out. And then it was literally just, yeah, just maybe a week or two of just writing. And um, we wrote three songs that just ended up becoming 
you know, the three songs on the album. Um, Find Your Way, We Don't Talk and I Wish. I Wish is very much, it's very much, you can you can tell my my Jam and Lewis homage. Um, oh, yeah. Because, because I was so just kind of, they were just, I mean, they still are. They're like my heroes. In fact, you know, I met, I met Terry Lewis at a Sounds of Blackness gig in London and it was it was like meeting God. So it's oh kind God. of strange. It's like, you know, you can, you know, there'll there'll be somebody younger that 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 might look at me and kind of go, oh well, yeah, Johnny Douglas. We always have our our people that we look up to. And uh, and Gemma Lewis was definitely it. So I wish was definitely part of that. I mean, with Gabrielle, it was just very easy. There was no, she was so talented as a writer and a great singer. It was the the first record that I'd ever made. So I didn't really quite know what I was doing. I just had a few little floppy disks with a few, with a few sounds on it. Oh my God. I didn't have a lot of equipment. Somebody had to work the computer for me because they were like Atari computers. I didn't have a fucking clue what was happening then. Somebody had to mix it. I didn't have a clue really how to work a mixing board. These are all things that I kind of learned over this 30 odd years. Um, but yeah, it happened very quickly, set up by my publisher. And that was kind of the, once you've kind of got one away, then everything else just kind of becomes easier. It kind of snowballs. So yeah, Rondor Music, who I was signed to, is responsible for that. There Thank you. you. Thank I, you, Rondor Music. I love it. And Rob from Germany said, when did you find out that your song would ultimately become the title for the Gabrielle album? I don't quite remember, actually. Uh, I remember thinking, that's, that's fucking great. Mm -hmm. And um, it's certainly, you know, again, you just you just write songs and somebody kind of goes, that's a, a great title for the album. I don't think there was like a key moment where somebody kind of went, we need to sit down and talk. And be like, okay, what is it? It's going to be the title of the album. And I'm going, yes. You know what I mean? It doesn't, make, it doesn't make that much kind of difference. It's just kind of like a little cool, like extra yeah. little bonus, you know. Um, oh, I love yeah. that. So then Keith from Singapore asked, did you work on more than those three tracks for that album? Uh, no, we didn't actually. Um, in a lot of cases, you know, you do. You know, you can write 10, 15 songs that then gets, you know, whittled down to three or four. And with that, it was a case of like, we did, we did I Wish first and go beat the label went great we love that do you want to do another session and i'm like yeah so then we did another one and we did we did find your way next
and they loved that. And then we did We Don't Talk. And it was just, and then that was it. The album, the album was done. You know, she was working with a few other people, Steve Jervie and people. Um, it was, it was like really easy. Some records are really kind of drawn out and are a battle. This was just like, it's almost like they're kind of meant to be. You know, so there was no, there was nothing left over. I, I when I went back for the for the second album, we wrote one song, which I thought was great. And that wasn't used, and I now wasn't involved in in any more of their records after that. I was off kind of doing all kinds of things. Um, so apart from that second album song, there was no other songs kind of left over. It just kind yeah. of stuck three songs done next. Um, That's a good batting average for that for your you know this first project like three all three on all three. And I feel yeah. like in talking with many of the other guests on here is it almost seems like debut albums or like the albums early on, there's either a, a ton of stress or they're just like, go figure it out. But then by the time you get to the second or third or the second album, especially the sophomore album, then there's more eyes on it going, oh, wait, no, we want this. We're switching this direction. Um, and you've worked yeah. with some people and we're going to go into that because now we have, we're going to go in like chronological order because we have a ton of these questions so we're going to talk about the George Michael older era, 1996. We have a lot more with Johnny Douglas coming up. Make sure you subscribe so you get notifications right away as soon as the episodes are released. Once again, big shout out to my Patreon patrons. You can follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. And I'll be putting up links on how to support the songwriters, producers, and artists. So be sure to follow me there. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. The Original Doll.